All right, Colossians chapter 4 this morning. And uh, we were going to, I was really thinking we would have been done with Colossians last week and, and then definitely this week, but Lord willing, we might be here next week as well. So as I was preparing for this, I came across some other thoughts that I think we might uh, look at uh, next Sunday. So I'll just pray for me as I prepare and, and, and study and look at these things. But we're going to read verses 14 down through the end of the chapter one more time. And again, forgive me for the, the pronunciation of some of these names. So uh, I actually Googled some of these, and, and it was funny, I, uh, they, you know, how to pronounce whatever the name is. And, and they had somebody with, it sounded like a Filipino accent <laughs> pronouncing this. And I was like, that's not really helping me. So, um, and what I, the conclusion I came to is the bottom line is, no matter how I pronounce it, it's, it's going to be okay, because I got my own accent, you know, so... Um, but uh, So we talked about friends, faithful friends last week, right? And, and we looked at uh, some characteristics of being a good friend. We talked about faithfulness and being forgiving and, and comforting and, and being prayerful. And so this morning as we continue through the really the closing remarks of this book that the Apostle writes to the Colossians, we see a few more thoughts that I just think will be a help to us. Um, but I came across the illustration this week that I thought was good and uh, it'll help break the ice for this morning's lesson. But uh, when you think of friends, your spouse should be your best friend, right? Uh, I know for Cindy and I, that's, that's the case. And um, I came across this illustration of an old fellow that was in the hospital. He's laid out in the hospital bed, and, and his wife of 55 years is right there by the bedside. And, and uh, he, he sp- spoke up and said, honey, you there? Yes, I'm here, dear. And and he says, yeah, you were there years ago at the, the veterans hospital when I was injured. And yes, dear, I was there. And, and uh, dear, you were there when the fire happened and I lost everything. And yes, dear, I was there. And, and man, dear, you were even there when we were poor. Dear, yes, I was there, dear. And, and he, he said to his wife of 55 years, you're sure bad luck. So, uh, but uh, anyway, she was a faithful friend, and he might not have appreciated it all the time. But uh, let's get to the Word of God, shall we? Colossians four, verse fourteen, down through the end. Yeah, actually, we're not going to read the whole thing. We're going to just look at fourteen down. That'll save me some pronunciation errors. Uh, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. And so we we talked about these other friends last week, and. And Tychicus and Onesimus and Aristarchus and Aristarchus. Uh, but uh, we get down here to Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas. And it says, Salute the brethren which were in Laodicea and Nymphus, and the church which is in his house. When this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. The salutation by the hand of me, Paul, remember my bonds, grace be with you. Amen. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for this book. Lord, I know it's been an encouragement to me over the last few weeks, and I just pray that your word would go forth with power this morning. Lord, that it would, everything that's said would glorify you throughout this facility that you would be with each and every teacher this morning, and that you would uh, be uplifted and glorified. And Father, that you would use your word to draw men to yourself. Lord, I pray that Christians would be drawn closer to Christ 
in a greater fellowship than before, Lord, and that the lost souls would see their need of a Savior and turn to Christ. And Father, we just pray for your blessing upon Sunday school this morning. We ask that you would meet with us. Now we just pray you bless the Sunday school hour in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are in Colossians 4, talking about friends again, kind of finishing up. And, and really, I, I just have one point today, but I still have four pages. And my point is very, very catchy. Closing remarks. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, nobody's going to really use the title of this message as a, as a attention grabber. But um, <clears throat> Paul sends greetings from his friend Luke, and uh, he uh, identifies him as the beloved physician. And Luke, I think, is uh, a significant person in the Word of God, and uh, he has the distinction of really being the only Gentile writer in the New Testament. And he wrote the book or the gospel that, that bears his name. And also the book of Acts uh, is what commonly <clears throat> is attributed to him. And, uh, but he's the original medical missionary. Right? He's the doctor. And uh, he goes into the ministry. And it's probable that he gave up his medical practice and used his talents and his training for the service of the Lord and, and the furtherance of the gospel. And what an example of folks that when you receive Christ and when you're saved, it changes your life. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being a doctor or a physician. We need those. And we would do well to have a lot of godly Christian doctors and physicians. And, uh, but in his case, he obviously was used in the ministry. Uh, and what a blessing to see somebody that takes their talents and their abilities and, and gives them to the Lord. And... Uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. Interesting enough, if you count the words that, that he writes there, he only writes those two books. But if you count the words, he wrote more than any other New Testament writer. And you can, when you read the book of Luke, you know that. You've seen those verses, right? You know, they take up a good portion of that, that column on that page. And uh, he was just very thorough, I guess you would say, in his writing. And, and, uh, but one thing that we find about Luke, he was faithful. Um, Luke remained with Paul to the very end. Second uh, Timothy 4.11 says this, only Luke is with me. And we'll look at that a little bit more when we start talking about Demas that was mentioned here in this passage. But um, interesting enough, last week we talked about friends being faithful. And we see that played out in, in Luke's life, in, in his friendship, in his labors with the Apostle Paul. He was just faithful to the end. Only Luke is with me there when he writes that. Luke never deserted Paul. Uh, no matter how difficult things were, no matter the circumstances, he was just faithful and, and, and stood by Paul. And uh, regrettably, the same cannot be said of the next person that's mentioned here in the passage in verse 14. It says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. And so he mentions this man, Demas, and and uh, <clears throat> I kind of maybe got a little distracted in my studies. I came across the comment that Demas is the only one here that's mentioned, and there's nothing said about him. Luke, the beloved physician, and, and we talk about Tychicus and Onesimus and all these different things, these attributes about him. But Demas just, he greets you. There's a lot that possibly could have been said, but nothing was said by the Apostle Paul regarding this man. And, and uh Maybe Paul, the, the comment that this uh, commentator said was maybe Paul had some concerns about Demas already at this point. And we don't know. That would be 
just assumptions and we really have no idea because we know that he did continue for a while with Paul even after this. But, but is it possible that Paul had some concerns for him? And maybe there wasn't a lot of positive things to say about Demas at this, at this point. It, it, you know, we can't really say anything for sure. But what we do know is there was some heartbreaking news in 2 Timothy chapter 4. In verse 10 it says, For Demas hath forsaken me. Uh, Demas forsook the friendship with the Apostle Paul. Um, and he forsook the ministry. He didn't just leave the Apostle Paul and go on to labor somewhere else. It says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And it says he departed unto Thessalonica. And so we see uh, this heartbreaking news about Demas that, that sent a greeting to the, to the folks at Thessalonica, or Colossae, excuse me. And uh, <clears throat> at some point, he was laboring with the Apostle Paul, working with the Apostle Paul. But later on, he forsakes it and and listen, but I'll tell you what, I think sometimes we're a little more harsh than we need to be with Demas. Sometimes we can see this in here, and I know I, you guys have, that have been in church any period of time have probably heard messages about this man that, that forsook Paul in the ministry for the things of the world. And we can get very critical about that, and we can and really pick, off, pick up or pick on him about that. Um, yes, he did forsake the Apostle Paul in the ministry, uh, but have we considered our state? Have we considered our state? Even though we are here in the ministry, if you will, are we sold out for God? Um, and hopefully I can, this will be understandable as we move on here this morning. I pray that this isn't the case with anyone in our church. Uh, the things that we're about to talk about this morning and and uh, <clears throat> I don't know if it's just the older I get, but I am more burdened for the people of God than ever before. The people in our churches today, just they're lazy. They're apathetic. Uh, it's like we just show up and, and we soothe our conscience by filling the seat. And maybe singing half-heartedly a little bit. And, but I... I, I feel like we're not 100% all in. Um, we'll look at the term lukewarm here in a few moments. Uh, we need to remember that at this point in history, right, and, and we're talking about the Roman Empire and, and the things that are going on at, these, at this point in history, simply being a Christian in Rome was dangerous. Uh, it, it wasn't the popular thing to do, if you want to say it that way. Um, few people were willing to proclaim their faith, uh, let alone go to prison or to associate with somebody like the Apostle Paul. Uh, it would be maybe hazardous to their life. And so sometimes maybe, uh, I don't know what it was that got a hold of Demas, but maybe we are a little more critical than we ought to be. Because maybe he was honest about it and was like, you know what, this isn't for me. And he just turned the other way instead of faking it. Uh, we can be good at faking things. Uh, this verse in 2 Timothy does, not make, uh, does make for a sad end to the description of this man that we know as Demas. Um, that, that in Colossians 4 here and then in Philemon he is mentioned and, and uh, he was a companion of Paul. Uh, <clears throat> so... He is, here he is said to have loved this world more than his work in the ministry. 
he loved the world more than his work, so he left Paul and the other believers and went to Thessalonica. So he departs. We know it was his love of the world that had uh, gotten a hold of him. Uh, <clears throat> he evidently missed the teaching in chapter 3. Let me remind you, chapter 3 in verses 1 and 2. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. And so at some point, Demas had kind of missed that lesson or that exhortation from the Apostle Paul. Uh, at least he didn't internalize it. He didn't make application of it in his life. Uh, the Bible explains... Uh, <clears throat> his abandonment of the cause of Christ in that same verse there, and it says he loved the world, the present world. Uh, this is interesting. Why a godly man, right? We, you, no one would probably discount it other than what we see in Timothy that this man was a godly person, a companion of the Apostle Paul, um, a laborer with the Apostle Paul. And, and so this godly man, he chose to forsake Christ for the world. Was he sick and tired of the persecutions leveled against the church and himself as a laborer? I mean, when you look at what the Apostle Paul was going through in the persecutions, it wasn't all uh, sunshine and butterflies and happy days. There were some very challenging days of persecution and trial and tribulation. And, and so here he is. Maybe he's weary of that. Undoubtedly, I mean, I know anybody would be weary of that. Uh, but did this cause him to leave? Uh, was he fed up with the hardships of the work of preaching the word? Until I began really consistently teaching, it's a challenge. And there's a reason why we see in Acts where they appointed some men to help with the affairs in the church. Uh, so those, those preachers, uh, so the pastors can just focus on the word of God and prayer. and such a critical thing. And, and so maybe just the hardships of being a part of the ministry uh, begin to weigh on him. Uh, listen, was he tired of doing uh, without? Nobody's getting rich in this ministry. Uh, interesting enough, I came across some stuff. I was looking at Jim Baker. I don't know if you guys are familiar <laughs> with that. Um, I was kind of ignorant to all that went on. I just recently read some stuff there because I was a young kid. I, I, don't, I really wasn't even in church at that point in my life. And, and we're not doing well like that here. Um, and there's a reason why, right? He's a crook. But, uh, um, you know, maybe he was tired of doing, being without. You know, he, he, he sees the things in, in the prosperity of the wicked the material, material possessions that others had. And, and uh, up until now, he'd just done without. Because we know the Apostle Paul learned to flourish in both. To be abased and to abound. And so no doubt, Demas had experienced those times where it wasn't so great. And he wasn't enjoying it. And uh, just those persistently low wages. I, I don't know, maybe that was it. And uh, listen, stick to it. Uh, was he sick of the double standard that the brethren have for people in the ministry, for pastors, or for those that are serving in the Lord in general? Kind of a double standard oftentimes. You know, there's folks that hold others to a higher standard than themselves, and uh, maybe he's tired of living in that glass house, if you will. Everyone's eyes are on him. What's going on here? And 
Uh, was he fed up with the criticism and the petty nitpicking directed at him by the fellow Christians? That takes place. Uh, it ought not to, but it certainly does. You know, and so here this man is, and, and, and we just look at him, he forsook it. And listen, we understand that you have to endure his hardness as a, as a good soldier, right? It's not just all about just enjoying the good times and it's great and so we're here. Uh, so I, I'm not saying that he gets a pass on this, but, but listen, we don't need to be too critical of him because things do get challenging. Things do get hard. Things do get frustrating. People do nitpick over things that have really no meaning, no significance. Was it a woman? Yeah, maybe he met a girl that distracted him from the work. It's interesting that the scriptures do not give us details to satisfy our curiosity here. And, and I don't think we really need the details. Uh, the bottom line is there was something in the world that was attracting him, and he desired that more than the ministry and his friendship with the Apostle Paul and laboring for the Lord. Um, and he forsook that. And so, uh, I mean, there's no, you can't sugarcoat it. Um, <clears throat> and he's gone. And so, uh, but we've seen this played out so many times. If you've been in church for any period of time, you've seen people come and seem like they're on fire and they're just wanting to labor and serve and, and it isn't long and they forsook the Lord and the ministry for the things of the world. I can think of friends that I grew up with in church. We door knocked together as young people and, and as young adults and just served and labored, and, and, but they're not even in church today. Um, it, you know, the circumstances might be a little different everywhere, but the situation is not. Listen, do not permit yourself to be a Demas. The Lord's people need you, and they'll miss you if you go. Don't forget that. Uh, the world doesn't need you, and the things of the world don't need you. But God's work and God's people do. Every single person in this room is an encouragement to somebody else. All of us, I would be willing to go out to say, and I think Pastor would probably agree with me, we're an encouragement to him. Just the fact that we decided to show up and be faithful to the house of God is an encouragement to any pastor. And so this morning, there's somebody in this room that is encouraged by your presence. Um, and so don't forget that. We should realize and remember that the pull of the world is strong. And if you say that it's not, at least at times, you're a liar. Because right. I've lived 39 years and I know that there's a battle. Our flesh desires all of those things that we just mentioned that we don't know if those were the things that Demas struggled with. There wouldn't be warnings in the Word of God over and over again about this if it wasn't something that we battled. We wouldn't see examples such as Demas of people actually forsaking and leaving if it wasn't a, there wasn't some type of a draw. And so it does pull us. The prodigal son was drawn away by the pull of the world, just like Demas was. However, this world is not our final home. This world is not our final home, and we are to live as citizens of another world. We get this warning in John chapter 2 and verse 15 through 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes 
and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of this, but of, but is of the world, and the world passeth away. We always got to remember that the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Demas forsook; he allowed himself to be drawn to the world. And he eventually made his choice to leave the service of God and to embrace the pleasures of the world. Uh, he compromised at some level with the world and, and found, that, <clears throat> found the entertainment in the worldly things. Listen, once we find the entertainment of worldly things uh, in worldly things, it's a step in the wrong direction. Uh, it's an indicator that we're not following Colossians chapter 3, having our affection set where they ought to be and seeking those things which are above. <clears throat> we need to be careful. No doubt that's how Demas was drawn aside and, and made that dreadful slide. And many Christians were surprised when he made the decision. Could you imagine the day that comes? You know, things just kind of slowly are building and maybe Demas is the only one that realizes it. He's the only one that knows how he feels inside and and what he's thinking, and, and he's got all these desires to be somewhere else. But there comes that day when it becomes publicly known. That's a heartbreaking moment. And, and so here, no doubt, he hurt some folks, and, and there was some disappointment when he left and, and uh, decided to go the way of the world. And listen, Demas traded the eternal for the temporal. We see that in, in 1 John. Those things pass away. He, he traded those eternal things for things that will just pass away. Everything in this earth is going to be perishing. This man had traveled with Paul. He ate with Paul. No doubt he prayed with the Apostle Paul. And I'm not trying to lift up the Apostle Paul like he was you know, superhuman or anything like that, but... Uh, the Apostle Paul was a significant figure in church history uh, as a man of God and a labor of God. And so he was around uh, the heart of the ministry. Uh, and he turned back. Where is he now? Where are those earthly things that he forsook the ministry for? They're gone with the wind. He made a decision for the temporal. And nobody ever speaks of him again. He chose his road. And each one of us this morning have a choice to make. Luke in chapter 9 and verse 62 says this, And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking bad is, back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, it's easy to start looking back. It really is. And, and it's a danger that we all face. The draw of these earthly attractions and the temptations of the flesh and the weariness of the work, it gets wearisome sometimes. Can often cause people to turn back like we see here. and uh, Listen, but it doesn't happen in an instant. It's bit by bit. It's a little here and, and a little over there that we do that. 
and people find disappointment and, and then they see some attractions elsewhere and, and it causes them to eventually turn. We must remember Colossians chapter 3. Seek and set your affections. When you look at that, it says to exercise the mind. When we're talking about set your affections, to exercise the mind, entertain or have a sentiment or opinion by implication to be mentally disposed more earnestly in a certain direction. It goes on, it says intensively. To interest oneself in concern or obedience. Set the affections on. You set it there. Talking about being full of care. Mind, regard, to savor, to think. Where are your affections this morning? If they're not on the things above, I submit to you this morning, your head is slightly turned to the backside of that where that plow is headed. And we need to be very careful, if you will, about where our affections are and where we're focusing, lest we become a Demas. And I've always thought this at times in my life, and, you know, if God wasn't done with the Word of God, I believe He is. Um, if He wasn't done writing it, and, and down through the ages, and there was more Scripture written, and Justin DeGarmo's dead and gone, what might be in the words of God about me? Would I be as a Demas or as an Apostle Paul that finished this race and fought a good fight? Uh, listen, we need to be careful because there is a draw. Are you setting your affections on things above? Are you praying and thinking on holy things? What are you allowing your mind to meditate on? Are you seeking those things above? Listen this morning, what you focus on and think about will eventually become what you seek after. I'm telling you from firsthand experience, that's absolutely true. You start thinking about some things, focusing on some things, and next thing you know, those are the purpose about what you're doing things. We need to be very careful about what we're thinking about. Demas had left mentally long before he left physically. He was mentally checked out well before he decided that he was going to forsake them. Before the day it was revealed and he said, listen, Paul, I'm, I'm going to Thessalonica. This isn't for me. I'm going to go make some money. Whatever those, whatever those words were, Demas mentally, long before he physically presented that to the people, was gone. <clears throat> this morning, where are you at mentally? Where are your affections? Are they in the right place? Are they set on the things above? Are they set in Christ? Are you seeking Him and His face? Listen, I'm afraid we treat Demas harshly, yet in our churches today, we are physically here, but mentally absent. Physically we are here, but where is your mind and your heart at? <clears throat> we see this warning in Revelation chapter 3. I'm going to read you Revelation 3, 14 down through verse 19. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things, saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither hot nor cold, or cold nor hot. I would that thou art cold or hot. So then because that thou art lukewarm, 
and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, and thou, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. And look at verse 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Are we lukewarm this morning? I think that warning to the church of Laodicea is very descriptive of our churches today. Just lukewarm. We're here. We're doing okay. And the shameful thing is we're happy with that. We're rich and increased with goods and we're just doing good. We're, we're, we're content with where we're at. But where does God want you this morning? I'll tell you what, God would rather you be cold so that he could deal with you than have you to have a seared conscience and just be apathetic and think you're doing okay. Lukewarm disgusts our God. He wants to spew you out. So what I'm telling you this morning, just being here isn't enough. Just coming to church and being faithful and, and saying amen and singing the hymns and, and participating and doing your part isn't enough. And, and I think, I thought we were going to close with this, but I'll give you a little teaser into next week. If you look at verse 17 and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord that thou fulfill it. It's not about just showing up and, and being a participant. It's about getting busy and accomplishing what God wants you to do and getting on fire about it and doing it with some, uh, some excitement and zealously, if you will. Listen, it's possible to be present and still forsake the work of the ministry. Demas left. He was probably more honest than most church people that we see today because he actually said, you know what, I'm just going to go. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to fake it. I'm just going to go. How many people do we have in our churches today that have forsook the things of God in the ministry, but they just sit here and pretend? And it soothes their conscience, and everybody thinks they're a pretty good Christian because they're here, and they're faithful, and they're consistent. Listen this morning. It's very important that you fulfill the ministry that God's given you. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. Verse 15, and after sharing these greetings from his, with his friends, Paul sends greetings to the brethren which were at Laodicea. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, which was only about 10 miles from Colossae. I think we mentioned that before. And, and he also sends greeting to Nymphus and the church which is, which is in his house. Nothing is known really of Nymphus except he, he hosted a church there uh, possibly in Laodicea. Uh, Paul requests that the letters to the Colossians be read uh, at Colossae and in the church at Laodicea. He also requests that the, Laodicea, uh, the Colossians read the epistle from Laodicea. And so here's where this... Interesting thought comes from that letter of Paul's could have been lost. I don't know. I haven't honestly done a lot of research on there. I do know some people believe that the letter to the Ephesians is this letter. Um, I, I won't dogmatically say that that's necessarily the case. I haven't really done a lot of study there. But what I will tell you this morning is uh, no one knows for sure, right? Uh, I, I came to that conclusion. But what I do know and am really confident is we have all the Bible that God intended us for us to have. 
So wherever you fall on that, that case, here we are, right here. You know, the 66 books that we have today, and that's what God has for us, and, and it's all we need. And so we don't need to go seeking for anything else. And, and so Paul has this word of exhortation, and I think we're going to spend some time on it next week. In verse 17, take heed to the ministry which thou received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. The church at Colossae met in the home of Archippus, Philemon, or not chapter 2, but verse 2. But we cannot be sure about the ministry which Paul refers to specifically here. Was it that church ministry? We're we're not 100% certain. I don't think anybody could specifically say that. It's probably a good good, uh, conclusion to come to, though. Um, Paul ends this epistle, though, here uh, in verse 18. The salutation by the hand of, uh, of me, Paul, remember my bonds, grace be with you. Amen. It is believed Paul usually dictated his writings to a scribe and, and sometimes ended with a, a personal greeting in his own handwriting. Um, I came across that. You can kind of see that in 1 Corinthians 16 and then 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. But, um, and it's possible as Paul stretched out his hand to do this last little salutation at the end of this book uh, uh, to put his personal handwriting on there, uh, that the chains that, that bind him. Uh, and it hindered him. Uh, he's reminded of those things, and he says, remember my bonds. And maybe he wanted to remind them to uh, pray for him in, in his situation, uh, <clears throat> or remind them and motivate them to keep uh, and to take advantage of their freedom and to continue laboring for the Lord. It, it's just a, a, a real quick statement that remember my bonds. Boy, I'm limited here, but you're not. I'm limited here. Pray for me and continue to be faithful, continue to serve, continue to labor uh, and and serve the Lord. Though Paul was in prison and bonds and no power on earth could imprison his ministry. His ministry extended far beyond just uh, those things. And and listen, the worst case scenario, the only thing he could do is pray. That's a ministry. Uh, Paul ends this letter with the same prayer with which he started it actually there in chapter one. It says, grace be with you. Amen. It is uh, a prayer that his fellow believers will continue to experience God's unmerited favor. He just wants God to continue to bless him. Uh, grace is, is really probably one of God's favorite words. It appears about 130 times in the New Testament. Um, and one of the most beautiful uses of this word grace is in, uh, is in reference to Jesus. In John 1, 16, it says this, And his fullness have we all received in grace for grace. Uh, the fullness, I like this, is to cram. Uh, super abundance or super completeness. And I want to remind you of some of those things we looked at in chapter 2 here. And In Christ, we have more than enough grace to meet every need that arises. Uh, as we learned in, in chapter 2, Christ dwelleth, in Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead, and we are complete in Him. And so I leave you with this thought this morning. The best friend you will ever have is Jesus. Father, we do thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for your word. And Lord, I know it was a challenge to my heart to look at Demas in his state. And Father, I pray, Lord, that we would wholeheartedly seek after you. And I pray, Lord, that you take our church to new heights, Lord, that we would be bold witnesses for the cause of Christ, Lord, and that you would uh, turn Rapid City upside down. And Lord, we'll give you the thanks for it. We pray for your blessing on the service to follow. We ask that your spirit would fill this place, Lord, and that you do work in each and every heart. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.